This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Ubuntu Pathways is a Port Elizabeth-based NPO. Since its establishment 21 years ago, it has grown into an internationally recognized blueprint for community transformation. It provides cradle-to-career care for 2,000 orphaned and vulnerable children and their families and impacts on 400,000 people. Jacob Leaf, the founder and CEO of the organization, joins me now to tell me more. Jacob, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Nice to be on your show. Jacob, you started this organization 21 years ago. How did it come about? So as you can probably tell from my accent, uh, I'm not South African, I'm American. I, my family moved to the UK when I was about uh, 13 years old and I got involved in the Free South Africa movement. And in 1994, when I was 17, I came down with a group of students to observe the transition to democracy. And honestly, I never really left. A few years later, when I was in university, I had an opportunity to go work in Cape Town, and it turned out to be a scam. Um, and I was down there for six months with nothing to do, and I left Cape Town on a train, and I ended up getting off in a place called Port Elizabeth, South Africa. And I, uh, that evening, the guy who was on the train with invited me into the townships to have a beer with him. And I was 19 at the time and it sounded great. Um, we walked into a Shabin. Um, it was a scene out of a movie, as I like to say, where the music stops and everyone looks at you. And I thought, Oh, this is the end of me. Um, cause you have to remember this was 1997 and I, just from the color of my skin represented a lot of what was wrong in South Africa to a lot of people. Um, but a man in the corner of the room motioned me over and I sat with him that evening and his name was, uh, Banks Quakola. The two of us became, uh, in the end became good friends. Obviously I, I moved in with his family that evening and spent six months, uh, in these communities in the Eastern Cape. And what I witnessed, and obviously I overly romanticized the poverty I witnessed as I could always leave. But what I witnessed was, Huge amounts of money being poured into the township communities um, from international NGOs. And Mandela was out there raising capital from all around the world. and was telling the youth of the country, apartheid's over, you can all go to university. But I was looking at these organizations, giving these children living in shacks who've been abused a cup of soup or a computer class. And I was thinking, that's not how I got to university. And I thought about the amount of money and time and commitment that was invested in me. I have two university-educated parents. It was probably harder for me to fail life to succeed. And what I witnessed was all these organizations boasting about how they were reaching tens of thousands of children. But what were they doing? They were simply giving handouts. And handouts was not how I got to a great university. It was sustained intervention every day of my life. So the man I was living with, Banks, who was a school teacher at the time, and I decided to start our, our own organization. We called it Ubuntu Pathways. The idea was that we would take children from cradle to career. As most of South Africa, um, parenting doesn't begin until a child is born. But the science is rock hard. It begins in the first trimester. You have to get that right when a woman's pregnant, how she's caring for her body, what's going, you know, and so forth correlates to a child's development. So we start with pregnant moms who are HIV positive. We have 100% success record delivering HIV negative babies. And then we work with these children every day of their lives. We go into their homes and help their stabilize their home environment because there's no point in working and investing a child in math and science and sending them home and they're being abused or there's no roof over their head or there's no food. So we take a very holistic approach to raising our children to say, and we try to apply the same standards that my mother and father applied to me in a privileged setting into a disadvantaged setting. 
And we like to tell people there is nothing more sustainable than investing in a child every day of her life. By the time our kids reach age 16 or 17, we split them into two tracks, either vocational training or university. And the North Star at Ubuntu Pathways is stable health, stable income, meaning it doesn't matter if you're a charter accountant or a or a factory worker, or if you're if you're bringing home an income and you're supporting your family and you're a good citizen, you're providing, contributing to your community. Well, that's what success looks like at Ubuntu. So today, 21 years later, we from when we started, we we built a campus that's on par with the finest facilities anywhere in the country, but it's in the middle of Sweden, based in Sweden, um, which is an area struck by huge poverty, huge unemployment, huge HIV rates, huge abuse. Um, but you would feel comfortable sending your children or your family members to our campus to go to school, to go to our clinics. And that's what we think differentiates us from so many of the NGOs out there. It, for us, it's not about how many children we reach, but rather the quality in which we reach each child. So I'd rather reach less children and actually do it well. So, you know, we, we were fueled by this idea that's a little idealistic, but it, we really believe in it. That's like our children in townships that we work with deserve what children all around the world deserve. And that's absolutely everything, every day. You talk about it's not quantity, it's quality, yet you are reaching 2,000 children, Jacob. How are you getting that reach? We've built it. We've professionalized. You see, we're a grassroots organization. We're truly grassroots, bottom-up development. But we most grassroots organizations are run by people who can't get jobs in the private sector. You know, and rather with the, the, the capital we raise, the money we raise goes to hiring good quality people, teachers. I don't need more program supplies. I need teachers, doctors, nurses, coaches, therapists, counselors. And so we've built a team on the ground um, that could get jobs in the private sector. And that's what we need to raise our children, good human beings. Um, and we've built this strong 75 person team um, that works out of our campus that can, uh, deliver quality services to our community. Now, when COVID hit, we've had, a, we had to suspend all of our, um, daily services, obviously, and we've transformed our entire campus into a major COVID response unit. Uh, we're currently providing enough food for 30,000 people to survive per month. So they, each person with enough food for the entire month, we're providing, we're working with a, network of surrounding uh, government-run clinics, helping them build their capacity, distributing key PPE gear, uh, working with the large hospital and area during games and providing key PPE gear. And we have our own, obviously, clinic um, providing to our um, specific clients. One of the nice things about being involved in an organization for 21 years is you can see the development in the children. And I wonder if we have an alumni of students that come and continue to give back. Absolutely. We currently have three alumni who are actually employed by us, and we have a program for kids to intern with us prior to going on to university or taking a year after university where they can get paid internships. But, you know, what I realized early on, I used to think, I remember our first 19 kids who graduated university, I just expected them all to want to come work for us. And one of the things that I had to be reminded of was just because you grew up in Poverty doesn't mean that's where you want to work. Everyone has their own dreams. It doesn't mean you're a good teacher or a good counselor. Um, and, you know, we, we, we tell people that we tell our children that their birthplace shouldn't determine their future. And we take photos of our children when they're two and three years old, dressed up in costumes of what they want to be in life, standing in front of their homes. And we remind them all the time that you can 
you know, there are opportunities out there for you. So there's so many ways to give back, not just with your time. Sure, we have some students who do come back and actually work for us, some who volunteer, and some are just part of our mentorship and our alumni network. But so many of them have become donors. I said I got a call from a young woman who went on, an extraordinary young woman who grew up um, with us at Ubuntu and really tough, tough, tough background and became the first in her family to go to university and then got a master's degree overseas and then came back and she called me up out of nowhere when she saw what was happening in her home, back in her home communities and said, what do you, what do you need? What, what, and I said, well, obviously we're raising capital. And she wrote a check for 20,000 rand. And it's not a, you know, a life changing amount for an organization like us that's raising hundreds, you know, but it, it's an extraordinary gesture and every little bit helps. And this young woman, it was way beyond the means of what she probably should be, could be affording. But, um, that's that I really inspired our team to see this young, you know, we think of Stover as a young girl. She's not, you know, she's in her thirties now and married, but you know, she was with us for so long. We've known her for so long. And that's really just brings a smile to our face when we see examples like that, or we see kids who are working in the corporate sector who just pop in to say hello and see how we're doing and they're move their families into proper homes and they're, they're studying to become doctors and nurses. That That's really just, uh, it's why we do what we do. Your model, is it replicable and can you take it around the country? Absolutely. The problem is that what we do is very, it's not a, it's not, there's nothing that innovative of what we're doing. It's an old recipe. It's how people in privileged communities raise their children. They need glasses. You don't say to your children, Oh, we're not a visionary parents or a vision organization. You buy your children glasses. You give children everything they need and you're with them every day. See, in philanthropy and CSI, they always say, what's your exit strategy? That's not sustainable. Well, why is it sustainable? There's no exit strategy in raising children. I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing this um, interview from my mother and father's home. And just last night, I was sitting with them, talking to them, asking advice on situations. You need, we need to take that approach in raising our children. Um, and the NGO community makes approach. And the, the more important, it's the CSI community in South Africa that's all about quick results. And there's nothing quick in what we're doing. And a lot of what we do doesn't work, right? And it's not, it's not the organization's fault that it doesn't work. It's that you can be with a child 12 hours a day and then they go home to an environment where they're being abused or there's crime or they're exposed to whatever. And that's just part of the reality. So we need CSI and philanthropy in South Africa to take more of a long-term approach. Tell NGOs and NPOs that, hey, we'll commit to you for three years, not one year. One-year grant, you know, you, you can't achieve anything in one year. Commit to three to five years and let that organization report to you. Hold that organization accountable. Let them report and show you progress and report honestly about what's not working and how they're pivoting to change that. So I do think what we're doing, to answer your question, is very applicable. It's the way I was raised um, overseas, it's so where we're raising our children in Port Elizabeth. But can, do we have the, the will? Does the, does the big philanthropy wanna take time and, and, and allow for the money that they're investing into CSI to be deployed in a way that's, it's not, it's expensive raising children. There's nothing cheap. You know, and that's a big problem in the CSI world. They're saying it's not cost effective. Well, raising children is not cost effective. And kids who are living in shacks who've been abused need more money than the child who's you know, studying at St. Andrews, for example, and whose family can go on holiday in the summer and so forth. So we need to apply the same standards we apply to our own children, a privileged setting and afford the same dignity. And if we do that, yeah, I think it's very applicable. We've seen during COVID-19 
poverty like we have never seen before. Um, we read daily almost of people starving to death, homeless people freezing in the cold. What message of hope can you give us? Well, it's it, it, it's spot on that that comment because three days into the country closing down, start, hunger started to creep into our communities like we've never seen before. And it's a reminder of how little of a safety net we have in South Africa. Um, I think the message of hope is there's extraordinary um, gestures of selflessness and um, organizations and individuals out there every day who are trying to make their communities better. And I always tell people, listen, you don't, I do a lot of speaking to young people at university and so forth. And so I'm not telling people they have to go start their, no, their own organizations. But I think we all have a responsibility to make our communities better places, however we define our communities, our religious community, our family unit, but to add and not just take. And I think that idea of, um, you know, civic responsibility and, and making our, our communities better is the message which we need to continue to spread. And I, I, I do see it every day as, as the chat, we're up against huge challenges, not just in South Africa, all around the world, but the only way is to take personal responsibility and say, you are going to commit every day to try to make what you can a little better. And that's why when I started Ubuntu Pathways, I was 20 years old and everyone said, this was the craziest idea. I was at a top university. Everyone said, well, what are you really going to do with your life? They said, Oh, you can't, build a campus like that in the middle of the townships, everyone will steal everything or anything. It's one step in front of the other and just trying, you know, being, not being deterred when you hit a challenge, being, um, doing your best to make the world a better place. It's, it sounds like a, my head's in the sky, but it's, it's really what I believe and it's what's driven me to get to where we are today. Perhaps it sounds high in the sky to anybody else, but Jacob, you've lived your, your dream and you've lived the reality um, I know the Jewish Board of Deputies and the Angel Network have contributed to Ubuntu Pathways because we believe in the work that you do and the difference that you're making to other people. So just to say that's a beautiful note to leave this interview on, and thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, yeah, please, if you're interested in getting involved, to reach out to us. Um, our, our website is ubuntupathways.org. And, We'd love to hear from you. And if you're ever in Port Elizabeth, come visit us and see for yourself our campus. I'd love to show you around personally. Thank you very much. That was Jacob Leap, the founder and CEO of the organization Ubuntu Pathways. Thank you to all of you for joining me. Thank you to Busi Masinga, who works incredibly hard at producing the show. If there's anything on the show you would like to comment on, you're always welcome to send me an email on sharice at sjbd.org. Please stay safe. And if you can, stay home. Until next week. Shabbat Shalom.